The Once in Future Nerd is independently produced. If you're enjoying the show and would like to support us, visit onceinfuturenerd.com support to find out how you can help. Listening to this show on an iOS device? Leave us a rating on iTunes, please. The Once and Future Nerd Book One, Princes of Jordan Chapter 8, Evil Untold Episode 5 Nia, Yellowine, Brennan, and Regan found themselves in a dank tomb known as the Cairn of Evil Untold, buried deep under a swamp, surrounded by an army of ghouls and snakes, and being lectured on the finer aspects of romance by a decaying, fetid lich king. Nia spurned my love because I was too nice, but I shall be vindicated. I know you loved me once. Slightly infatuated, maybe, but that was before. Ha! You admit it. You loved me and were scared of your desire, so you ran to men for whom you lacked any deep feelings. Will you come with me now, or must I destroy your companions? This one's a real charmer, Nia. You let him get away? Silence, you ill-washed strumpet! Buy me a drink before you start with the dirty talk. Renault ignored the rogue and turned his gaze intently on Nia. Do you admit your love for me, Nia? No. What else must I do? It doesn't work. Work that way, Renault. It works however I want it to work. I am the master of death, the greatest mage alive. If you will not recognize my magnificence, then you shall die. Suddenly, the army of undead was advancing on the party once again. Moving quickly, Regan grabbed something out of her pack and threw it at the ground at her feet. Smoke erupted all around the party. Hidden by the haze, the party ducked for cover behind some pillars. The undead, who are generally not known for their tactical wit, continued shambling towards the spot where the group was last seen. However, when Yellowine loosed an arrow from behind his pillar, Renault immediately turned and shot a puff of green smoke out of his staff in the direction of the arrow. Nia? We need you to take care of these things. We'll keep Loverboy busy. Regan signaled to Brennan and Yellowing. Go back to Silverland! Suddenly the air around Renault was filled with a barrage of arrows, bolts and axes. Renault had no choice but to duck for cover. And in that moment, Nia stood and aimed her staff at the army of undead. She closed her eyes tightly and suddenly a beam of blinding blue light shot from her staff. Wherever it hit a corpse, there was a scream, and then there was nothing but dust. She dispatched a row of corpses in this manner, before Regan pulled the cleric back into cover. Barely a breath later, a green plume of smoke from Renault passed through the space where Nia had just stood. From their cover behind the pillars, the party could see eleven of the twelve seated corpses in their officer's attire, rise and draw weapons. Renault turned to the twelfth seated corpse in annoyance. What are you waiting for, Maguire? 
I don't believe there's sufficient justification for violence here. You're clearly the aggressor against a much more vulnerable... Shut the fuck up, Maguire! Nia took this opportunity to disintegrate another row of undead before taking cover once more. The battle began again in earnest, with the four living souls fighting the undead army and dodging the attacks from Renault. As they fought, they spoke, hoping against hope to distract, dissuade, or otherwise ameliorate the onslaught. Perhaps my memleg is poorer than I supposed, but did he say his problem was being too nice? <laughs> nice here, meaning do what I want or I'll kill you. Missiles of metal and magic flew between the words. I am only thus now, since I saw where nice got me. Kindness performed in expectation of a reward. Isn't it truly kindness? Brennan's axe swung toward Renault, but was intercepted by the skull of one of his minions. The Lich King paid as much attention to Brennan's blade as he did to his words. That is none at all. Was Frederick Johansson ever as nice as I was, Nia? Or was it just his member that impressed you? Frederick? Oh, by Galadin Renault, you've given more thought to that boy than I ever did. It was a freshman's tryst. That's the second time you brought up someone else's member. Ugh. You sound a bit fixated on cocks. One of the undead chieftains rushed at Regan, forcing her to stop talking and draw her sabers. <laughs> The two fenced ferociously. Nia, have you ever been with a mage who actually knows how to treat a lady? I could show you pleasures you dare not dream of. Granted, the putrefaction of my blood precludes tumescence, but I shall lay you down on ancient silks and shower rose petals on your lover's mound. <coughs> They'll be dead, of course, for everything I touch now turns to a withered husk of its former self, but it's the thought that counts. Oh, Gosnia, how are you still standing despite your hungrily quivering loins? Ugh. Don't dare mock me, woman, for it is by the word of your kind that I have fashioned myself thusly. You all say, why can't I meet a nice man? And yet here stands a nice man who has never so much as seen a single unclosed breast. You admit that you fancied me once, do you not? Yes, fine. And there were many signs that I was too foolish to see. I waited too long and was banished to the inescapable realm of friends. But I recognize my error now, and I can wait as long as I must, conquering death as I have. Waiting won't fix this, Renault. Then what will? Letting us leave would be a pace in the right direction. Not until you've heard me out. I was loath to offend your perfection with my awkward juvenile overtures. It's only because I think so highly of you that I waited so long. Does that not count for something? It's not that you waited too long, Renaud. It's that you proved the kind of man less frightened to profane all that's holy than to say, Hello, Nia. May I buy you an ale? This blasphemous horror you fashioned yourself into is far less excusable than any awkward overtures. Is that all? And now you're trying to kill us. May I then? May you what? Buy you an ale. No, you may not! Hark, my friends, how the seductress speaks one way and behaves the other. No, that's... Have you no idea what I value? what I believe in. And if you fancied me, why did you never extend an overture my way? Why must the burden of approach fall on the man? Oh, 
your burden. Huh. Regan's swords danced, dispatching corpse after corpse, and yet her mortal arms began to tire. The corpses did not. Nia sent a quick blast of light past Regan to buy her a moment's respite. A glance around the room, however, showed Nia that all of her friends were similarly tiring. Yiluin had spent his arrows and was fighting with his hunting knives, and Brendan's armor was dented in a number of new places. God damn you, Renault! Desperately, Nia turned her attention towards Renault. Her staff blasted a path directly to the Lich King's feet. He sent cloud after cloud of green smoke at her, but each one she deflected with a flare of blue light from the Whitewood staff. By the power of Galadin, Lord of all lords, and keeper of the most holy order. Nia now advanced with her eyes closed. The green smoke hit the blue light. Some specks of green splashed past the light and hit Nia's face. They sizzled and burned where they hit. I drive away this unholy perversion so that order may reign. The green smoke intensified, a solid beam of green hitting Nia's beam of blue. As dark flees <coughs> the light of day and co coldness flees the sunrise. Nia bled openly from her nose and the many burns on her face. So does chaos retreat from the cleansing tide of order. <coughs> Get back! Nia's beam of light exploded, illuminating the entire room. As Nia and Renault were each thrown off their feet by the impact, every undead minion in the room disintegrated under the blue light. Renault's staff rolled from his stunned fingers, and Regan dove to snatch it away. He made little effort to stop her. My dear Nia, I always knew your prowess alone could match mine. And if it couldn't, would you have burned me with poison until I submitted to your desires? Would you have let your army slay my friends? Can I truly be that repulsive? That you would rather be burned, rather watch your friends die, than love me? Yes. Yes, apparently you can. If this is how you react to my rejection now, how could I ever feel safe with you? I wasn't always like this. All I ever wanted was love, and I have always been denied it. No, you wanted adoration. If you wanted love, you should have cultivated it within yourself, instead of filling yourself with hate. What else was I supposed to feel every time Xavier would regale me with tales of his latest conquest? Why did women swoon over him and scorn me? How could those frivolous harlots be so stupid? Now Nia stood. And why is your ire directed at them and not Xavier? Did he ever tell you how he ended up in the infirmary with that broken bottle in his back? Heightstown Jane attacked him with it. The girl was out of her mind. Everyone knew that. Everyone didn't work in the infirmary. Everyone didn't talk to Jane before she withdrew from the college, or hear her tell how Xavier had his way with her, heedless of her wishes. Her word against his? And Jane already proved herself mendacious. And what was Jane known to lie about? 
she would frequently attract the attention of some suitor, agree to meet him somewhere, and then never herself arrive, only to claim the next day to not have agreed to meet him. And why do you think she would lie about that? Women lie. How else would they manipulate men? They're scared, you unfeeling clod. Unfeeling? Have I not wept for your disdain? Feared your rejection? You know nothing of fear. Did you meet the prostitute who was buggered bloody by a customer who didn't think he got his money's worth? The miller's wife, who confessed to a passing fancy for her brother-in-law and was struck so hard she lost the use of an eye? The miller and his brother remained on excellent terms, by the way. Countless girls beaten or cut when they refused the advances of a city guardsman. Girls taken ill while birthing the children of their uncles or brothers or fathers, and no one willing to lift a finger to help them. I remember all of these things despite my best efforts. Believe me, I wish I could have forgotten, ignored, observed with a scientist's dispassion. For many years, I tried to do just that. But the message is clear. Women will be hurt, and order will fail them when they need it most. I don't see what any of this has to do with you and me. And that's why you're a fool. My friends and I will be leaving now. Is that chest trapped, Stinky? You should take it. This one called Nia has wisdom and strength and compassion. She should study it. The new people deserve to know. Know what? Go. Now. Let's not dawdle. Needing no second instruction, Yiluin and Brennan each grabbed a side of the chest and ran towards the stairs, followed closely by Regan. Renault and Nia's eyes remained locked for a moment longer. When I was still a freshman, Nia, I derived formulae and potions which vexed even our most venerable professors. Would that I had derived yours. I don't have a formula, Renaud. I'm a God's damned person. With that, Nia turned and ran after her friends. Renaud watched her run with hopeless fury and the pillars of the chamber began to shake ominously. I did say as much to you years ago. Oh, eat a dick, Maguire! Oh, so you've resolved not to learn anything from this then? Ah! A stone fell from the ceiling, and then another, and another. Oh, that piece of shit. Our heroes ran as fast as they could, the cairn crumbling all around them. Make haste! Galadin, help us! Regan and Nia slipped through the outer door of the cairn and into the swamp, followed closely by Yilloween, Brennan, and the ancient chest. Not a second after they passed through the door, the entryway collapsed. The entire structure rumbled and shook, and the entire hillside fell into the surrounding bog. That evening, the party sat at a campfire not far from the site which once held the cairn of untold evil. Nia sat by the open chest. She had withdrawn an ancient stone tablet covered in carvings and was busily rubbing charcoal against a piece of parchment over the tablet to copy the script. The wounds on Nia's face from the earlier fight continued to weep. Brennan, is that wine boiling yet? 
Regan approached the cleric with a steaming mug of wine and an old rag. She bent to clean Nia's wounds. This is going to sting. I know. Nia did not cry out as Regan dabbed the boiling wine against her wounds, nor did she stop her work on the tablet. So, can you make anything of that? Any references we might have are surely so obscure that a full translation could take a lifetime. It's certainly worth preserving, though. You think the kids are okay? Galadin will look after them. That's what I'm worried about. You know, you should... Oh, never mind. Not now. That was pretty, uh... That was something back there. Kind of impressed. Well, thank you. You were only wrong about one thing. And I'm sure you're about to tell me what that was. All those women you treated, who died and got beaten and shit? That wasn't a failure of order. That is the order. Keeping us down is the point. Not so far from the campfire, at that very moment, the swamp bubbled. From among the bubbles, a charred and desiccated arm sprang forth. It reached along until it found a tree root sturdy enough to grasp a hold of. The arm grabbed the root and pulled. Slowly, a body emerged from the muck. First the arm, then the shoulder and torso, and finally the head of Renaud Desprez. Which concludes... Oh, my! With all that excitement, I'd forgotten to tell you what became of the children. It's, it's very exciting in its own right, and absolutely crucial to the progression of our tale. You will recall that they were drinking in a tavern near Freehold with some new acquaintances, from whom they hoped to extract information. Late in the evening, Billy emerged from the back of the inn, his arms full of salted beef. I am awesome! On-site procurement, nice. Where'd you find this? Some room. Billy. Oh, shit. Wasn't your guys's, was it? No. You can't just steal people's food. Door was open, so was the container. That means it's up for grabs. Party rules. At least hide it, okay? The owner may have different ideas. Hey, I went on a bold quest of discovery for you. I'm the Christopher Columbus of drunk food. You're not the Christopher Columbus of drunk food. You invaded someone else's space and swiped their shit. <sighs> Can I talk to you in private? On second thought, okay. Yeah, you are the Christopher Columbus of drunk food. Fine. Billy and Jen stumbled away from the table and towards the back of the inn, leaving Nelson with the three Armstrong Guard students. Damn it, Bjorn. First chance I have for some ass in six months and you just can't stop being a self-centered shit. To be fair, she was clearly more interested in me. Oh, like Selberin she was. You gotta pee. Nelson stood from his seat. Or rather, he tried to. As he stood, he stumbled unsteadily. Only by leaning his arms heavily on the table did he keep himself upright. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You all right there, friend? I, I don't feel so good all of a sudden. Sweat shone on Nelson's brow, unusual in the cold air of the tavern. He wobbled unsteadily at the table. Your friends can drink, but you can't. Oh, you must be fucking joking. That's not the ale, you idiots. It wouldn't hit him that fast. I think he's been poisoned. 
Help me with him! Suddenly, Nelson fell heavily onto the table, unconscious. Who wants Celebrin with poison? The front doors of the tavern slammed open of their own accord. Every eye in the room looked to see who entered. Gods have mercy! Gallatin, save us! Three Templars of Discord stood in the doorway. Panic erupted in the inn, with patrons running in every direction in an attempt to escape. Billy and Jen stumbled back into the room, leaning on each other heavily in order to stay upright. Sweat beaded down both of their faces. At the sight of the Templars, they froze. Now you shall see the true face of God, and weep. The soul ringer is For additional information and bonus content, access onceandfuturenerd.com on your computer machine. New episodes are released every other Sunday. The Once and Future Nerd is written and created by Zach Glass and Christian Madeira, and directed by Christian Madeira. It is performed by... Rhiannon Angel Garrett Arman Dan Dobransky Lily Drexler Anya Gibeon Ian Harkins Paul Nunes Frank Queres, Julie Reed Gregory M. Schultz It is co-executive produced by Jess Kelly. Alex Story is an associate producer. The Once and Future Nerd is recorded by Brian Forbes at the Gallery Recording Studio in Brooklyn, New York, with additional audio engineering by Sam Palumbo. Foley sound design and mixing is done by Sandra Ramirez. It is edited by Josh Perot and Christian Madeira. Theme music is composed by Tom Lee. Thanks for downloading 